Praise God. I'm glad you guys were able to tune in. If you like FCC, click like and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook. And I want to challenge you to uh, send this to somebody. Also, this is fertile ground here. Consider planting a seed. Visit us at uh, our Facebook page, FCC. God bless. Is the substance, substance, that you, could, you can grab it, you can feel it, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For it is by faith that the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were made of things that weren't visible. It was by the word of God. Father, be with us this day as we explore your word. Faith in you. Open our minds and hearts to receive you. Let it be your words that are spoken and not my own. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And the saints said, amen. God bless you as you're seated this morning. Praise the Lord. Last week we spoke about uh, how to be a prayer warrior. You know, in, in any situation or circumstance, uh, you know, warrior is someone who does battle. Uh, Brother Lonnie testified this morning, use, use your weapon, but you got to know how to use it. You know, uh, I, I, I believe in, in um, I'm a strong uh, person that um, when Jesus said in, in Luke, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and go get one, I, I believe he meant it. I'm a Second Amendment sort of guy. I'm a whole Constitution sort of guy. I believe our, our country is founded on godly principles. But if I were to go, before I could go hunting, I had to take a hunter safety course so I could learn how to use those things. You, even though you may have come to the Lord, you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do you know how to pray? Do you know how to use faith? Do you know how to do those things? If not, those are things you're a warrior who hasn't been trained yet. Are you with me? So not only do we come to learn those things on Sunday morning, but also on Wednesday nights when we have Bible study and wonderful discussions. But today, we're going to talk about the rest of the story. How to be a prayer warrior. We learned last week that your lifestyle affects your prayer life. The way you live affects your prayers. It's either going to help it or harm it. Now, I'm not judging. I'm not, I don't know all your nitty-gritty business. I don't need to know all that. God knows. But the fact of the matter is, how you live affects your prayer life. The Scriptures tell us the, the prayers of a righteous man or woman availeth much, or they are powerful and effective. When you need prayer, who are you going to look for to pray for you? That person that was with you getting in trouble? I, you know, maybe not. We're going to pray with them forum, but you're going to find somebody who you feel their prayers are going to hit heaven and be powerful and effective. I want that for each and every one of your lives, your prayers to be powerful and effective. So I encourage you, live a life that will help your prayer life. Your lifestyle will affect it. Also, last week we encouraged you to pray with faith. Faith believing that those things that you're asking God for will happen. Now, as I was praying about this and I was, I was looking at this, you know, what is that faith? What is that faith? See, many of us 
have faith that there is a God. We have faith that God can do or perform many miracles. We see it in his scriptures. We sometimes even have faith that God will work on the behalf of other people. But we, shall, we fall short because you don't have faith that he'll do it for you. See, you'll believe for someone else, but when it comes for your own life, you, you start doubting. You don't think that your prayers, God's not going to move for you. That's a lie from the enemy. I want to stomp that out here now, today. That's a lie from the enemy. But this is what I want you to realize, that faith isn't just believing. This faith that we're talking about is a faith of trust. And it says in 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9, you love him even though you've never seen him. Talking about Christ. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. Well, at least some of you do. And you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. That's why I say some of you. How many people have you seen rejoice with inexpressible joy? Where is that joy in the church today? We need it to come back. Amen? Starting with me. If I had a mirror, I'd get in my own face. Where's your joy, Pastor? Where's your victory? It's, it's there on occasion, but we should be walking a victorious life. Amen? The reward for trusting in Him will be the salvation of your soul. Wow. Can we break that verse down a little bit? If the reward for trusting Him is salvation, what is not trusting him lead to? It's a worthy question. I don't have that answer today, but I would sure hope that I don't negate my salvation. But we know it's by faith and trust in the Lord that we come to be saved. And there's a blessing for us to, to have that faith. The disciples saw Jesus. They were there when he did the miracles. We weren't there, so our faith is even that much more so, believe it or not. For us to have faith in a, in a God that we can't see. But I tell you what, I feel him. I felt him this morning. I've seen him move in prayers. I've seen him work in people's lives. I have seen healing, though not as much as I used to in my, in my younger years. But I do know that he still moves today. This is the secret to that. How, are you okay with examples and analogies can i can i do a couple of those who who <laughs> who wants to volunteer all right brother lanny come on up brother kyle come on up all right do you know this brother right here all right you, you know him all right so i want you to stand up on this step right here brother lanny face face that face that over there now what i want you to do Stand back just a little bit further. A little bit further, further, further. All right. Don't look back. Don't look back. Eyes forward. <laughs> We're going to see how, if he's your brother, we're about to see how close you brothers are. Back up just a little bit more. Now, I want you, without looking back, just fall back. Don't, don't step back. Fall back. Nest T plunge. 
Oh, I see you step back. You, you guys see his, his leg go down? All right, all right. Go, go ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. Take a seat. Hey, no, you, you stay right here. All right, I'm going to go up here. You ready? I trusted that not only he had the ability to, I didn't, I didn't pick some scrawny little person. He had the ability to, and we had the relationship such that I was able to completely let myself go and fall into his arms. I, don't, I haven't known him more than six months, but what I know is when I greet him and he gives me a hug, I feel the love. And I hope that he feels it reciprocally. I tell him that I love him. We've formed a relationship, although not as close as it could be. We're trying. Schedules get in the way. Things happen. How well do you know and trust the father, to fall completely into his arms. With whatever your situation, with whatever your circumstance, to just fall completely into his arms. You see, it's kind of like this. Uh, trust is built on relationship. The closer the relationship, hopefully the stronger the trust. Right? Think about this. If your giving your life to the Lord was a union, like a marriage, what would it look like? I, I, when I think of uh, married couples, kind of like newly married couples, like this one up here in the corner, they, they're together all the time. I'm trying to do a project. Well, I've got to help her pick out some colors. Man, guys, don't do that. Come, let's go work. Let her pick out the colors. But he's going to go with her to pick out the colors. Why? It's not because of the colors. It's because of who's going. You get what I'm saying? He's not going to... What if someone got married and they're like, all right, peace out. I'll see you on Christmas and I'll see you on Easter. And they're like, peace out. Glad to be married. Thanks for putting a ring on it. I'll come visit you at Christmas time and Easter time. Because that's the two most visited days in the church year, Right? Christmas and Easter? Would you say that's a real relationship? Is that a real marriage? Or is it kind of like some people we know that they're, they're together? They're nurturing. Now, obviously, in time, things change a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, we got to keep that fire going. Fire needs kindling. It needs nurturing. It needs fresh wind. It needs fresh wood. It needs some tending to. Not only your marriage relationship, but your relationship with the Father needs some tending to, some relationship, some kindling. You need some, some Bible study. You need some iron, sharpened iron, meaning we come together as Christians. You need some prayer and some worship. You got to do these things to keep the fire stoked so that your relationship is stronger. And the stronger the relationship, the better the trust. The better the trust, the more powerful the prayers. Amen? Here's what often happens. This is what I've learned in life. Your focus becomes your reality. 
your focus, the thing that you're focusing on becomes your reality. When you focus on your problems, that's all you talk about. I don't need to know all the details. I just need to listen to you just for a little while to get an understanding of where your focus is, where your thoughts are. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You might put on a good show for a little while. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Praise God. But then, just glad I'm keep talking. Because at some point, it's going to bubble out what's going on. Now, that's not to judge or condemn anyone. We are, we, that's all of us. That's me, that's you. And somewhere in there, something's going to come out. Because that's what we're thinking about. Let's use that tool to our advantage. Because here's the problem. Oftentimes, you're focusing on your problem, your boss, your bills, your unsaved loved ones, the people who have rejected you. You're focusing on the issues. You're focusing on the problems. And you're getting stressed. And then with stress comes fear. And with fear, there's doubt. And when there's doubt, there's worry and indecision. And then you're just paralyzed and you don't know what to do. And you say, I've been praying. You've been praying prayers of desperation, yes. But have you entered into relationship? It's not about the word spoken, it's about the heart and the relationship. I can say that I know someone, but unless I fellowship with them, how well do I really know them? Right? And, and here's the thing, and if I haven't invited you to something yet, I'm going to soon. Now, some of us have different tastes. I've invited many of you kayaking because that was the season I was in. It's done now, I think. It's gone. It might be something else later. I'm going to invite you to do s'mores or kayaking. Why? Because that's life. I want to do life with you, and that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm going to invite you to do. But, you know, here's the thing. If that's not your thing, what have you invited me to? Relationships should go both ways, right? So don't... <laughs> I'm like, well, he ain't trying to get to know me. Wait. I'm here every week. Where are you at on Wednesdays? Huh? Where are you at? So listen, I want to build a relationship with everyone. We may not be able to get as close as, as others, and that's okay. That's fine. Jesus had different, he had the 12, and he had the 3, and then he had the Father. The fact of the matter remains I want to help teach you to build relationship with the Father. Because when you have that relationship with the Father, you'll have the trust. When you have the trust, you can walk in a different manner. Then you believe that the promises that are in the Word are truly yes and amen. That He does have a plan for you. He does have a purpose for you. Not to harm you, but for a hope and a future. There is a plan. Sometimes, like, I don't know what it is. That's okay, but... Do you trust him? Because see, even when he called out Abraham, he said, go to the land I'm going to show you. Well, where's that at? I'm going to show you. Just start walking. I know when Sister Jamie and I first got called out in the ministry, we sold everything we had. I kinda, I'm kind of all-in sort of guy. We didn't know where we were going yet. Sold everything. Signed the house back. Let's go. Well, we, we didn't find out for a while, so we ended up homeless, kind of, until the Lord showed us where. Homeless as in, I didn't own a home anymore, but we had an apartment to stay at. But the fact of the matter remained is, I was willing to go wherever he called me. Hadn't always been that way in my life, 
But at that season, I was ready to go. I had hope and faith that I heard from him and that he was telling me the truth. Now, my timing and his timing were a little off. But the closer I went into relationship with him, the more peace he gave me about the transition. You get what I'm saying? I may have jumped the gun, but as I drew closer to him to inquire about that and spent more prayer time with that, he's like, whoa, slow down a little bit. I got this. I'm working on some stuff. Just calm down. Relax. Be still and know that I'm God. And as God, I am your provider. I am your protector. As God, I am your covering. I am your healer. As God, I am the strong tower in which you run. I am your peace giver. I am your comforter. As God, I got this. Calm down, son. I'm like, okay. And then I could just bask in his presence. So what I'm going to tell you, when God's involved, oh, this is good. I'm getting excited at my own preaching because I know what I'm about to say. When God's involved, the facts no longer count. Let me, let me share some scripture with you. And I call this look again. Because when Jesus came on the scene and there was 5,000 men, not including women and children, it's estimated to be 15 to 20,000 people were all out in the middle of nowhere in Matthew 14. And the facts of the matter were that there were only five loaves and two fishes. That was the fact. Then enters Jesus. He said, give him here. They had to give it to him. See, the little you have, you're holding on to. This is going to somebody. The little you have, you're holding on to, and you're losing it. You got to give it to him. And what did he do? He said, give it to me. He blessed it. When he blessed it, he fed all of them. And here's the interesting thing. It says that they collected 12 baskets of leftovers. 12 baskets. They had just a little basket with the five loaves and two fishes. But when he was done, not only was everyone full, there was leftovers to boot. Because my God is a God of more than enough. Fact. A blind man called upon Jesus. He says, touch me. He asked something of the Father. The Father said, oh, you want me to touch you? All right. Now, unorthodox, we may not like what God's about to do or how he's going to do it, but if we trust him, it doesn't matter. See, I didn't know how he was going to catch me. He didn't catch me with his knee, his arm, anything. I just, hey. Like that little kid trying to jump in the pool, and the dad's right there. There's only inches, but he's got to learn to trust dad. I don't know if I'm going to jump. Are you sure, Bob? Is he okay to catch me? If you're going to ask somebody, ask a seasoned saint about what God can do. Because mm -hmm. see, that blind man said, touch me. And Jesus brought him out. Jesus spat in the dirt, made some mud, put it in the empty sockets, because there had to be something in there to fill that void. And when Jesus filled that void in his life. He got his sight back. The fact was he was blind. And then Jesus. Oh, come on somebody. And then Jesus. 
The widow's only son was passed away. They're getting ready to put him in the ground. A widow's only son. And Jesus comes on the scene. He stops. Whoa, 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 funeral procession. Let's stop right here. What's going on? And she says, it's my only son. In that day and age, a widow, meaning the husband already died, the only son just died, meaning she can't own land. She can't do business. There's no way for her to do any transactions or to do anything. She's at the mercy of other people, probably going to be a beggar. That's just the society that it was. There was no bridge card. There was no Section 8. There was no government housing. There was none of that stuff. But what she had was Jesus. And he told that son, get up. Get up. Help your mama out. The fact was he was dead. Then Jesus. Here's a fact that I find so interesting. God called the, the slaves out of Egypt to leave that place. And then he brought them up against the sea, knowing full well that Pharaoh was going to chase them. So here they are. Their, their back is literally against the wall. They have the Red Sea on one side. They can't go any further. They have the chariots of Pharaoh, the largest army in the land, coming against them, ready to kill each and every one of them. There was no doubt what was about to happen. Those were the facts of the matter. There is an ocean. There's a sea. We can't go any further. And some of them didn't know how to swim. Here's the army of the most technically advanced chariots, warfare, spears, bows, everything you can name it. They're coming. Those were the facts. But the story is, as they were panicking, as they're looking to the leader, as they're looking to, to Moses, who had the relationship? Who had the relationship? It's the one with the relationship that said the prayer that moved the hand of God. See, I want your prayers to move the hand of God, but it requires you to have that relationship with him because you're going to have circumstances and situations come. You might be hunky-dory right now, but when life punches you in the face, all plans go out the way. Then you got to do something. Then you want to pray. Everyone wants to pray at that point. Right? There's no atheists in foxholes. When everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Then you're like, whoa, this is real. Life is going to do that to you. Then you're going to want to pray. But here's my question. When that time comes, are you going to have the relationship, the lifestyle, the understanding to say a prayer that's going to be powerful and effective? You see, Moses had already been talking with God in the wilderness. He had already submitted to God. He took off his sandals and bowed before the burning bush and had conversations with God. There was a plan. There was an agenda. How do you know that? Because God told him. How did we know that this happened? It's recorded in Scripture. But it was because he was communicating. How can I have relationship unless I'm communicating? You can come to church and sing a song and clap your hands, but unless you're communicating with the Lord throughout the week, do you have relationship or did you just come to an event? I love you coming to the event. But let's not just come to be entertained or to sing a song. Let's come to enter in and have relationship. Because when Moses, the man who had relationship with the Father, stretched out his hand over the sea, God blew a mighty wind. 
He dried up the ground. And they entered into their freedom. Amen? Praise God. Give them a hand clap this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we sometimes got to remind ourselves that we serve a God that we read about in Scripture. This same God who, who uh, multiplied the fishes and the loaves, the same God who healed the blind man, the same God who raised the dead man, the same God who split the Red Sea, they went on dry ground. He split the sea where they went on dry ground for their deliverance, and he collapsed the sea on the, on the army behind him. That same God is the God that you and I serve today. Now, when we grasp that, that understanding, and we realize that he's got a plan and purpose for you, and as long as you stay in relationship with him, nothing can thwart that plan or that purpose. We've got to be faithful in our relationship. Faithful. Say faithful. Because if you have a marriage relationship, and it's not faithful, that relationship's going to be severed. It's, it, there's going to be a problem there. There's going to be a division of some sort. Sometimes you can repair it. If there's humble hearts, you can repair it with God. The facts are it could be on the brinks of divorce, but then God. Because God can soften even the hardest of hearts if they're willing. You see, we've got to keep our eyes on the one who can do those things. He is the way maker we got to keep our eyes on him. When we do these things, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who, ne who initiates the, perf the perfect faith because the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross regarding shame. Now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. This is talking about run the race with perseverance, keeping your eyes on him. You see, if I'm running a race, sometimes my wife, let me tell you this real quick. I think I'm a good driver. You, you put a race course in front of me, I'm going to get it. I'm not going to knock down any cones or anything else. But if you get me going down 20, in between here and Midland, I'm looking at the deer. I'm looking at the turkeys. I'm looking at the yard sale signs. Ooh, anything good? There? And, you know, I'm all, she, she don't like that. And she has some things to say sometimes. I'm like, hey, I know how to drive. And she's like, well, show me. Some of you say, I know how to live a life for Christ. Show me. Show me through your walk. And the way to walk straight or drive straight, in my case, is keep your eyes forward. Not on the distractions. The distractions are going to come, but we've got to keep our eyes straight ahead. We've got to keep our eyes on Christ. We've got to visit him. We've got to read his word, see what he's going to say to us today. There's a fresh word, it says, a rhema word just for you. But what is that today, Lord? Let me look in here. What are you speaking to me today? What do you want, who do you want me to talk to today? Or is it all about your agenda and your business? See, we've got to run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. We've got to read his word daily. We've got to pray daily. We've got to thank him, praise him, and worship him. Amen? Oh, man, it's not just words. It's relationship. Relationship. See, faith is a lifestyle. Faith leads to righteousness. Faith lives in God's promises. That's, oh, that's awesome right there. If you can walk in the promises of God, 
faith obeys God's commandments. Some of you aren't obeying God's commandments because you don't have faith that he will for you. I don't want to beat anybody up. I'm not here. I'm, my salary is set. If you decide to be faithful to God or not with your tithe and your offering doesn't affect my salary at this point. But here's the thing. If you're not, why not? Don't you have faith that God's going to provide for you? So you got real, real quiet. Here's one thing. We'll, we'll enter into the, the living a blessed life, and I'll teach that series. There's wonderful promises from God. But the fact of the matter is, those who don't is because they're fearful that there's not enough. But didn't I just share with you that my God is a God of more than enough? Didn't he multiply, multiply the fishes and the loaves? There was more left over when he entered in than what there was to begin with. And I know this, you know, not brag, but lead. Sometimes that little bit you got, you can't do nothing with it anyway. Go sow it as a seed. Sow it as a seed. See what God's going to do. I've had that misery, you know, you got that crinkly little bit that you've been saving for like three, four weeks. It's, it's transferred from your purse to your pocket to your wallet because you just, just in case you need it, that five's all crinkled. You don't even know what president that is anymore. <laughs> Might even iron it. Mm, got to take care of that five. Shh, shh, little starch, put it back in your pocket. Some of you laughing because you've been there. Got that five just in case. You can't buy none with that money no more. Now with five, you need 550. And you don't got the 50. So you got that five and you're holding it on to it. You're squeezing it. You're like, and then, the, then your spouse is like, where's that five at? You're like, why you want to know where my five is? You're like, so you're laughing because you've been there. Some of you are like, stop it. Sow that seed. God's trying to see where your faith is. Is your faith in that five? That ain't doing none for you? That's creating more stress, worry, and doubt? You free yourself of the worry of that five and go sow that seed into something, somewhere where there's fertile soil, and see and watch what God might do for you. Amen? Be faithful to him. He's already faithful to you. That's the only place in Scripture where it says, test me and see that the Lord is good. Man, I wish somebody would just test the Lord this morning. Hmm. So I encourage you to have faith, not just faith believing that he can or that he will for someone else, but a faith that develops trust through relationship in God. Build your faith by building your relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're going to do something this morning. We're going to have communion. I know it's been a little while. It's long overdue. We're going to have communion this morning to, to help solidify that relationship. And part of developing a relationship is reminding yourself who that person is and what they've done. Who are they? In the instance of me falling backwards, I didn't care about Kyle's credit score. I cared about his arm strength. So I knew what I needed to know for that. What we need to know about Jesus Christ is, and what this communion is going to remind us of, is that he died on the cross for our sins. An innocent man died for guilty people, a guilty world. 
Before he even died, he was beaten. His beard was plucked. He was punched in the face. He was mocked. He was hit over the head. He was pierced in his hands, his feet, and his side. He was hung on a cross, naked, in front of his congregation, embarrassed. A crown of thorns pushed on his head, bleeding in his eyes. And he did nothing wrong. And he chose to continue to stay up there, even though he could call down 10,000 legions of angels to rescue him because he loved you and he loved me. So, Chris, if you can come, and Brother Lonnie, if you can come and distribute the, the elements. Before we do it, I want to give you a moment to make yourself right. Because there are blessings from, from taking communion, and there's also curses if you do it with sin in your heart. Because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're taking communion to remember the one who paid the price of sin. So if, you're, if you got unrepented sin in your heart and you're remembering what he did, it's like crucifying him all over again. And I grew up in the Catholic Church where we did this every Sunday. And I remember some of the people that I know what they did the night before. It's, we don't do it in a repetitive manner in such a way that it becomes um, cliche or that it becomes uh, routine. We want it heartfelt and meaningful. Brother, hook me up. So we're going to take a moment, and I want you to settle up with God. You may, have, Many of you already have, and I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. You're bringing the fire with you. But it's okay. Just ask Holy Spirit. Let's go for Lord prayer now. Bow your heads. Holy Spirit, is there anything that is offensive to you? I ask that you cleanse me. You forgive me. You wash me clean again. Every, every thought of pride, of ego, of, of complacency even. Forgive me for not reading your word like I should. Not praying with you like I should. Uh, not thanking you when I should. Not trusting you when I should. Forgive me. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I want to remember you and who you are and what you've done for me. Wash me. Make me clean again. In Jesus' name. Brother.